Now it's recording. Okay, I've got to remember that. Okay, so uh, we'll go. We'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and start. Um, anybody else that comes in, we can hand them one of these. Um, let's pray. Gracious Father, be with us this afternoon as we look into uh, a study of of Christian doctrine and uh, help our minds to be clear and help us to. Uh, uh, gain wisdom through the Spirit as we study this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, last time, I found myself losing my place on my notes, and I'd say, did I read that before or not? So I'm going to do check marks now so I'll know where I've been. Because, you know, I end up getting ahead, and then I don't remember where I'm at. Okay? I'm expecting this page front and back. This is, this is notes on probably half of the chapter. Okay? And we'll probably be four to six weeks in this chapter, um, but I just I want to go wherever it is that it goes. Okay, I forgot to ask somebody if you got the sheet to look up Galatians one, one through twelve. Somebody want to do that and read that for us? I am recording out of my pocket. If you're talking, I'll try to walk near you so we can we can catch what you're saying. Galatians one. Through the twelfth verse. Okay, Ben. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Uh, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For I am now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant to Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from, my, from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So I got a question for you. Do you think Paul cared about doctrine? <laughs> okay. This is, like, this is like an incredible paragraph there, a little more than that or whatever. Um, I'll get into it a little bit later, but there can't be any doubt. So how can you, how can you de-emphasize or preach another gospel and call yourself Christian? And that's the big question that Machens asks all through this whole book. Okay. Um, the liberal attack upon the basic foundational doctrines of the Christian church is a clear attack on all of Christianity. Machen points out in multiple ways how denying, glossing over, or ignoring these basic truths is denying, glossing over, or ignoring the apostles, and even more incredibly, our Lord and Savior himself. You can't have Christianity without Christ and you can't have Christ without acknowledging his teachings as absolute truth. Jesus is either God 
or his claims are absurd and we should denounce his teachings altogether. Machen points out that if we deny the foundational doctrines, we certainly should not call ourselves Christians. Uh, ben, would you close those doors? Thank you. So he starts this out, and I, some of you have read, um, have talked to me about the fact that you're reading this book, and that's great. I want to point out again, don't feel like you're um, in my high school English class where you get scolded if you haven't done your homework, okay? Because that's, that's, that's not what this is about. I want everybody to come in no matter where they're at. But some, you're welcome. I just want to say that. You're welcome. Because, all right. <laughs> Well, you let you you let your students don't not do any homework, right? Is that correct? Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Very very. Th- yeah. Well, we will. We will. It's it's pretty it's pretty funny to be. Yeah. Pretty. Okay. Um, Machen begins chapter two by pointing out that the liberal theologians may be saying that they reject the antiquated doctrines of the church, but he points out that they, in fact, promote their own doctrines, spouting phrases like universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. They, in fact, promote an anti-Christian doctrine. Okay, Somebody explain to me what you think they're, they're meaning by espousing the universal fatherhood of God, say, for example. Why, why, would they, why would they use that wording, and what are they trying to do? Dave? Well, it, it allows for this generality of, of, of who you are. There's no specifics. There's you know, no qualifications. It just allows everybody and anyone, well, you know, God is God of all, and you know, it doesn't matter what you believe or what I believe. You, know, you see it that way, I see it this way. And also, there's no foundation anymore. Right, no truth. right. While there is a sense that God is the Father of all, okay, that's not what we're talking about here, okay? It allows them, that kind of attitude allows them to say, you know, all religions lead to the same God. You've probably heard that before, too, okay? You know, if the Buddhists get to heaven, the Christians, you know, we can all, you know, we can all... Uh, um, go that way. And I think that's part of what they're also saying. How about the universal brotherhood of man? Where do you think they're going with that? Anybody? Where would a, where would a liberal think? Yeah, Grant? I think when it's universal brotherhood of man, they're trying to keep that, that sense of all created in God's image, but without the authority that God is above all and guiding all, they're trying mm-hmm. to Okay, right, right. Okay, very good. Um, have some of you, maybe some of the old timers like me, would know this more than some of you ever heard these particular mottos? Okay, uh, I'm down to the in the second paragraph. Doctrine divides, love unites. Have you ever heard that one? That was in the book. Yeah. So what are they saying there? What are they trying to do with that? Doctrine divides, love unites. Divides because we have all these denominations, mm-hmm. and that's what divides. 
Christianity into. Yeah. Matt? It could be that uh, doctrine dividing is having to adhere to rules. Having to what? Having to adhere to the rules of God rather than just be free loving. And they're espousing churches, church splits. And a lot of times those church splits are on doctrine. Um, is it always a bad thing? That's a good question. Is it always a bad thing to see a church split? Nope. No. <laughs> we, we just saw one at the uh, Methodist church, I believe. Yeah, that was, that was an interesting... And I, I think that was a positive church split. Yeah. Yeah, they... Uh, yeah. I, I heard a little bit about it, what, what it was, and basically the Methodist denomination has gone so wildly liberal that the locals finally said, we're not going to be a part of this anymore, and they just left the building. Okay, And then, believe it or not, um, I mean, it, it, they weren't going to be able to support or whatever, and that particular group bought the building back from the Methodist church, and came back to it again under Walkerton Community Church or something like that, which, I mean, I don't want to go into the fine points of Methodist doctrine and that kind of thing, but it's just interesting what that happened. To me, doctrine divides, loves unite is an excuse to simply say, but we love everybody, no matter what their opinion or position is, and if we just keep and love each other, we'll stay together. Well, there are some successful Successful in terms of financial and numbers, mega churches based on that principle. I mean, that exists, okay? But is it Christianity? That's kind of what, that's kind of what Machen's pointing out. By the way, again, feel free to raise your hand and jump in, please. How about this one? This is one I heard as a kid when I was growing up. Yes, go ahead. Oh yeah, there's a. Yes, yes, it would. People united together to to hold to the principles of of the Bible, uniting for that purpose. In a sense, the origination of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church was exactly that: um, deciding that they no longer could stay. Well, Machen was fired. He was he was kicked out. Isn't Machen the founder of the OPC? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he he was fired because he um, formed a an independent uh, missionary board. That made him mad. It made him really mad. Okay, um, and yet in that division was the unity of forming the new denomination. Unfortunately, Machen didn't live very long into the new denomination, only, I think, maybe a couple of years before he died, unexpectedly, at 54 or 50-something. Okay, yeah. So the, the second one, um, I heard this as a kid, no creed but Christ. Isn't that catchy? Okay, all right. There are denominations, including the one that I grew up in until about, junior high age, um, that are very proud of the fact that they have no creeds. They, they would not at all be doing the Nicene Creed or, or the Apostles' Creed or the Westminster Confession. No way, okay? Um, we just preach Christ. 
Okay, Machen points out how stupid that is. Okay, if you're preaching Christ, you're preaching Christ's doctrine. You're preaching what he's teaching. Okay, um, but I, I remember with that absurdity, they even went so far as to kick people out of membership because they belong to a community organization that had a creed. You know, like, I, I'm no... I'm, I'm not going to make a, a statement one way or another on organizations like Masons and that kind of thing. I, I, I'm near a hero on that. But you, do, you could not be a Mason and be a member of that church because they had creeds. They had things that they were to. Okay, so no creed but Christ. Again, they strike me as catchy phrases. That's what they strike me as. Uh, this was also in the book. Christianity is a life, not a doctrine. Isn't that clever? Okay, so, yeah, Dave. The things with these are that they're very enticing because we all come from crazy different backgrounds, you know, and it's like it's very enticing to, okay, this is all inclusive. This is great. I don't have to conform. I don't have to learn. I don't have to, you know, this and that. And so it's very enticing, and I think this is the reason why Peacekeepers was such a success in its time. Okay, define for us again what that is. Peacekeepers is just uh, is an organization, whatever, where just uh, a bunch of men from you know any background, right? Catholic, mm. uh, Protestant, uh, Jewish, mm-hmm. whatever, Muslim. They just all they would have these big uh, um, they, not conventions, but but they'd fill whole football stadiums, yeah, wouldn't they? And, yeah, and it was just great, but it it it, it didn't sustain itself because when it started getting down to it. You know, they had started to establish some type of leadership. But right. Who leads? Right. Who's right? Well, and eventually, what do they preach? What do they teach? Just, I mean, just love and unity. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. You know, yeah. And I, I, you know, and it's not that you know, we we not love other people, but where's you know our our, our uh, foundation, our, our uh, the direction of our love, our understanding of love. Where does that come from? Yes. And so, you know, with us, it comes from God, of course. But, you know, I, I think there, but there's just this uh, attractiveness of, of unity that I don't have to, you know, get my instructions from somewhere else. And we all struggle with that, not just on a spiritual level, but just in our lives. I mean, you know, I don't like being told what to do. And, you know, <laughs> it's just what it is. And having been in some form of church leadership for 40 years, I remember clearly in several situations how incredibly uncomfortable it is to have to call somebody into a session meeting or call somebody because, I mean, the church we broke away from, Dave and I, were, I don't think there's anybody else in the room, okay? But yeah, it, it, it tells you something, doesn't it, Dave? Okay. But the church we came from had a lady who loved to slip poison pen letters under the pastor's door. Unsigned. Everybody knew who she was. Okay, completely unsigned. And when you, when I would ask, how can you keep letting her do this? If she has a legitimate complaint with the pastor, she could go directly to the pastor and talk with him about it, or she could, at that point, talk to the church board. We didn't have an elder session and no, it was just, it's easier. Poison pen letter people are cowards than when they don't sign it. They're just cowards. They just, you know, they want, they want to shoot. It's like modern text messaging, okay? 
I can shoot at you, but I don't have to listen to your answer. I don't even have to look at your face. And I can even delete your account if I want to. Yeah, Grant? Oh, that, that's a... Oh, oh, what's the term for what it is? It's, it's a saying, but there's a cleverer word than that. Okay, anyway. Um, it's like... It, it's, it's symbolizing you sending a letter that if you touch it, it poisons and kills people. I guess there, maybe there was such a thing as using poison ink and sending it. I don't know. I have any idea. But it, it's a, just a term I've used for years. That a letter that you send that gets your point across. People do it in social media now. It's terrible. It's absolutely horrible. Okay. Um, so anyway... Um, Machen argues, I'm down in the middle of the page, Machen argues that we cannot know what Christianity truly is without studying the early church. They were the ones who were taught by the apostles and later generations taught by those who were taught by the apostles. From these early believers came a lineage passed on from firsthand knowledge of Christ's teaching. And as those teachings came under attack over time, by many who tried to change the meanings of what Jesus taught, it became necessary to clearly defined, define what it is that the Christian believes. Now, I would love it if somebody here has a deeper um, study of uh, ancient church history than what I have. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I can't tell you a lot about the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. I wrote down there the original... Apostles' Creed has its originations, not in its final form, in 2nd century. Okay? A Nicene Creed, the Council of Nicaea, 4th century. I can't give you much more than that. Maybe somebody in the room can. I, I wish Thomas was in here. He could fill us in. Okay? But he's in a meeting. Um, he, he would be the church historian. You want to ask something about church history, ask Thomas. Okay? Um, anyway... What's interesting, what little I do know, okay, is that early Christians realized that they were going to have to define doctrine. They were going to have to unite, okay, under a creed. They were going to have to show people in abbreviated form what the Bible says. Now, the creed is not Scripture. The creed is not God's word unless it's quoting some of God's word. Any of the quotes in there that are doing that. The Westminster Confession, uh, the, uh, what's, what's the one that Roger loves? Um, Heidelberg. Heidelberg. You guys grew up in that tradition, okay? All of these are excellent examples of men far wiser than I and far more educated defining in a study form the basic premises of the Bible and the basic premises of doctrine, okay? And a reason why every Sunday we're quoting something similar, we went through the Westminster, uh, a lot of that, we went through others, is um, it's, it's good to say, go home and read your Bible, but we need to somehow also put in a concise format a way that we can say, yeah, we all agree on this. And we can stand up and pronounce and confess that we agree on this. Okay? Well, you can see how the modern liberal that was wanting to do I mean, that would be an anathema to them. The idea that you would stand on something like, I mean, even the most basic ones, uh, you know, the virgin birth, the deity of Christ. Um, 
and then some not quite even so so much as that. But it became necessary to define that. And having grown up in a church that said creeds are bad, okay, I had to learn that for myself and realize that is what what we're what is what we're pronouncing biblical? Yes. Well, if it is, let's pronounce it. Let's confess it. Let's do that. Okay. Feel free to jump in. Machen points out, I'm a little further down, that one of the best historical evidences of what Christianity is comes from the epistles of Paul. Okay. I'm going to read a little section in here on page 19 in the middle of the page. The writer of the epistles had been in direct communication with those intimate friends of Jesus who had begun the Christian movement in Jerusalem. And in the epistles, he makes it abundantly plain what the fundamental character of the movement was. But if any one fact is clear on the basis of this evidence, it is that the Christian movement at its inception was not just a way of life in the modern sense. That's what a lot of people were were espousing then, probably do now today, that Christianity isn't about um, biblical principles. We just should all live as Christians. We should just all get along. Kumbaya. Okay? All right? It's like a, we, we, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Well, there's, there's nothing technically wrong with that in the song that, that I sung as a kid, but... There's got to be more than that. Yes, they'll know. that. I know a lot of people that are very loving people that aren't Christians. It's got to be more defined than that. Okay? It is a way of life founded upon a message. It was based not upon mere feeling, not upon a mere program of work, but upon an account of facts. In other words, it was based upon doctrine. Certainly with regard to Paul himself, there should be no debate Paul certainly was not indifferent to doctrine. On the contrary, doctrine was the very basis of his life. Okay? So you, you, you've got to realize that what... I mean, how do you... I think later, we're going because I'll jump ahead of myself, later he talks about um, churches that um, say that all we really need to know is in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? Well, that's a wonderful sermon. There's no question about that. And even in that, you can find doctrine. They pretend there isn't any or whatever. But it, it and, and, and so let's just learn about the, the wonderful, beautiful things that Christ did and showed. And let's not worry about whether we adhere to the idea that, that um, he is God. Because, you know, that's, that's not as important as living like Christians. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an instruction manual. Um, I mean, it's much more of that, but and it's it's amazing how many people sit there and say, you know, I, I I don't need that, whatever. But yet they follow instruction manuals in everyday life when they say, I don't need it for this. But it's like you want to bake a cake. There's a, there's instructions on how to bake a cake, and if you don't follow them, you don't get cake. And, right. You know things like that, and you just go through your life and see, you know, how you know you, you do that. But but when it comes to their life. 
and you know the moral compass. I don't need I don't need instructions for that. Uh, you know, I I got it. And yeah, it's, it's just funny how on that one particular front that they will you know doctrine will buck on it. And I discover also the older I get, the more I realize that I need a foundation. When you're young, you think you know everything. Okay, boy, I thought I knew everything. All right. And so I didn't have, I mean, I was a Christian, but I didn't have an understanding of just how much I needed somebody else to be an authority over me. In fact, a lot of us bristle at that word. Okay, somebody's in authority over me. It's like, really? Who are you to tell me? And so the older I get, the more I realize that what would my life be like right now when I'm only a matter of, I don't know, I don't want to predict, within within two or decades or whatever, uh, to the end of my life, okay? What if I, as I got older and struggled, if I had no foundation, if I had no real belief system, if everything that I knew was based on the gospel according to Wayne, okay? Or, yeah, no, it's Wayan. Okay, that, that's our new, Wayan is our new, um, uh, our new deacon, okay? <laughs> Uh, because That's when when so I need to explain this when you know when we when we uh, when we voted on who was going to be deacons okay um, I thought I was in the running but I found out that Yann was in the running instead and I'm a little concerned about that because she sounds female to me and you know that's against our doctrine okay are you confused Marilyn yeah. okay he misspelled my name. He spelled it Y N. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't want. Yeah, I didn't want to go right over. There. All right. I'm sorry. I, I badly digressed. Yes, I know you have something you want to say. I could see it, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Glad. I'm glad we could entertain you. Yes. Yeah. Because it does not change. Yeah. You know, yeah. as you talk about where am I going to be at, you know, in my later Well, and, and, and I'm dangerously, I don't want to go political here, but let's talk about the U.S. Constitution. Okay. Are we in big trouble right now because we don't pay much attention to it anymore? Yeah. You need something upon which you can base the law on. You need something upon which you can base your faith on when it comes to biblical doctrine, okay? When man starts deciding that the rules aren't the rules anymore, especially when they've been good rules, it's a problem. Going on, Machen also points out that although Paul had much grief from a number of churches addressed in his epistles, he was more tolerant of the churches where the controversy was mostly over personalities and relationships. Now, I've never thought of this before, okay? Um, you can tell he's pretty mad at, at the Galatians, okay, right there at the beginning. I mean, he says uh, in two verses in a row, let them be under God's curse. Let them be under God's curse. I, I think he had a problem with them, okay? But if you look at First and Second Corinthians, he had a problem with the Corinthian church, too. He had a problem with more than just the Corinthian church. But the Corinthian church controversy was more about 
personalities. Who was following Paul? Who was following, you know, whatever? It was mostly about, and he was, he was disappointed in relationships. And he was far more tolerant. He wasn't talking about them being under curses in Corinthians. He was far more tolerant. You could see how much he loved them, and he talked that all the way through. Okay, um, So did Paul care about doctrine? Yeah, because when the people were bickering about who's in charge, he's upset. When the people are messing with the doctrine of God, he is totally, watch how I say this, he's totally angry. Let's put it that way. He, in, he, he doesn't have any tolerance for that. Yes? Right. He wasn't completely satisfied. You know, that doesn't necessarily come across in their terms of love where, oh, everybody's okay, yeah, you know. Yeah. Do your own thing. No, I have this against you. I have that against you. You need to stop this. You need to do this instead. And, you know, you just, you know, so it kind of squelches that, you know, God's a God of love doesn't really care. In Revelation, we are seeing how God enacts justice. We are seeing the risen Christ enacting judgment and justice. We're seeing the real thing there, and it's pretty sobering. And if you want to know all the attributes of God, you need to be sure to read Revelation also. Okay? Because, you know, you can have over the, over the, over the church door, we've said this before, uh, God is love. Okay? Um, how many people might show up if we also put on there, or instead of putting on there, put God is wrath. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to decide how many people are going to come. God is wrath. Okay, well, obviously you wouldn't put that over the doorpost, but we need to, in our teaching and in our doctrine, we need to understand all the attributes of God and what makes him really angry and where we're at with all of that, too. I mean, he has so many attributes. If you're going to understand those attributes, you also have to understand biblical doctrine. You can't just pick and choose God is love. You can't just talk about how God loved the, um, the prostitute, or Jesus loved the prostitute, Jesus loved the tax collector, and not point out him turning over the tables in the temple. Okay? Because what was going on inside the temple, what we think of as the church, what was going on there was an anathema to him. Okay, well, that's, that, that's all a part of it. One of the hardest things I've ever had to worry about when I sat on session was how you handle discipline. Now, I'm just going to tell you right now, I, I bristle at the idea of discipline. I mean, I just, I, it's, a, it's a hard thing to think, and none of us wants to be disciplined. And the thing I learned about how an appropriate session handles it is their number one priority when somebody is sinning is reconciliation. The first thing you do is try to keep them or bring them back in. You don't, you don't, that's why a good Presbyterian session spends a whole lot of time deliberating, meeting after meeting and trying to meet with the people and trying to reconcile before they ever do anything like expelling somebody, or what's the term? Excommunication. Thank you. Excommunicating. Okay. Um, so, but discipline is necessary. 
that, you know, that other church I was talking about where that, that sweet little lady, not so sweet, but that lady would, would slip poison pen letters under the door, okay? When you talk to the church board, they would say, oh, that's, that's aunt so-and-so. That's just how she is. She, she, we just, we just, we just kind of ignore it. No, you can't ignore it. You instead need to have a talk with her and tell her how much you love her and let's sit down with the pastor and try to work this out, whatever it is you have a problem with. And if something happens along the way of her own volition, she refuses to repent of that and she moves on. It, 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 she's no longer there to infect the body. Okay, so many churches. I've got a. I'm going off here, but that's fine. Uh, I've got a cousin who it just it was ironic. He visited us the other day and. He and Lisa both found out they were on the pastoral search committee. Okay. And I won't tell you what denomination it is. And they're a very small congregation with no kids in anymore. And I'm not going to look down on that because there was a point where we didn't have any children. Right, Julie? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have, we didn't have any Sunday school because we didn't have any children. We've been so blessed with children. I did a count the other day and we have roughly, this is rough numbers. Roughly 40 adults and 20 kids. That's pretty good. And we also have every generation represented. If you don't have any from the youngest clear to the very old folks, okay, there is something missing in your congregation. And we are at this point blessed with all generations in our congregation. It's a wonderful thing. Okay. Um, anyway, back, back to my cousin. Okay. He was saying, there's a lady in the church that's not even on the pastoral search committee that is going around telling everybody that, again, you and I would agree with this doctrinally, that you can't have a woman preacher. Well, I understand that. I understand that fully. But she's being so nasty and she's putting her foot down and she's insisting and is in a denomination that has women preachers. Go somewhere else. Okay? Don't blow the church up. I mean, they've got like 20 attendants. It wouldn't take much to blow it up. Okay? So I asked my cousin. I said, well, what is in your, in your policies that allow you to deal with her and discipline? Well, I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to look that up. I thought, they, they're not doing anything about her. They're just letting her set off bombs everywhere. Okay? And they didn't have a structure in place. Yes? How do you call yourself a biblical church if you're unwilling to go through the discipline of Matthew 18? Yes. There is that precedent that's set up in the Bible. Yes. And not that it's easy. No, it's hard. It's so hard. Right. And you find out in a hurry whether or not you have two parties that really want reconciliation. If, you, if one of the two parties, you know, I always said it takes two to get married and one to get a divorce. You think about that. I mean, it, frequently it is two getting a divorce, but it only takes one. Okay. And so if you have a divorce within the church body of somebody, you're going to find out in a hurry whether or not both sides want reconciliation. And you've got to have that. You have to have that. Okay. 
So we kind of went off in some other directions, I'm going to call it, because it's a quarter after. So um, any other thoughts, quickly, anybody? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you that you so clearly have put men on this earth like Machen and others to help us think and help us define and help us not to wander off in our thinking into dangerous areas in which our church ever becomes to a point where the lampstand is removed. What a horrible thought, Lord. Help us to have open minds to your word, looking into where you would have us go. And uh, I thank you, Lord, for this time and this study. I pray that you give us a good week and bring us back together uh, next week to worship. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So for those of you who are wondering, on this sheet down there below where I wrote, read one on page 19, we'll start from below there, okay? And um, like, I, like I suspicion, maybe we'll be two or three weeks on this sheet before I give you another one. So, thank you. I've got to remember I'm